Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rossetti and Stewart podcast. We're coming to you live. Yeah, you heard it live. No, we're not live, but uh, we're from the Center for Media Innovation today at Point Park University, and uh, it's been an exciting week for sports, I guess you can say, with the finals and uh, NHL finals coming up as well. How have you been, Justin? I've been sick. If I'm going to give you the real answer, still not 100%, though, but um, I'm still well enough to uh, record this podcast. So, in other words, I can't complain because I know a lot of people out there are worse off than me. So, I'm actually doing pretty good. Hey, you know what they say, right? Mourn with those who are mourning, but otherwise rejoice always. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, but anyways, I do want to get right into it. All righty. Andrew Wiggins. I mean, they just went two straight, Wiggins, 17-16, and 16, the first in game uh, game four, and in game five, he has 26 points, 13 rebounds. I mean, Steph Curry had probably the worst game of this playoffs, didn't, didn't make a free for the first time since 2018, and, uh, you know, Curry obviously had 43 points the game before, but now, I mean, the Warriors are up 3-2, and... I do want to talk a little bit about the whole Clay Thompson game six situation, because I mean I'm I'm sure everyone was talking, so I did a little deep dive, and I kind of sorted it. And his game, if you look at his game six stats, like, and you average them out, it's not like anything special. But it, it, it the reason being is because his first couple of game sixes in 2013 and 14 kind of really lower how he really did in game six, but as of late. I mean, I've broken it down. He had 41 points in Game 6 against OKC in 2016, and then he had 25 against the Cavaliers that same year in the finals. It was the year they lost, though. And then he got, in Game 6, and the against Houston when they came back and won, he had 38 points in Game 6. And then in 2019, before his uh, his season got ended for the next year, he had 27 points against Houston in a game six, and then he had 26 points against Toronto in game six of that playoff series. Um, and then even this playoffs, he had 30 points in game six against the Grizzlies last year. So yes, he had. Let's let's see. He had six. He's had six performances where he's had over 25 points in game six games. And uh, yeah, like I said, his first couple game six games, maybe one or two. Last couple of years haven't been great, but for the most part, like he balls out in Game Six. But I just wanted to put that out there because everyone's been talking about, oh, Clay Thompson's great in Game Six. But I think it's something that's definitely been been looked into too much. But in all honesty, I honestly think that the Warriors, with how the Celtics have been kind of down, I think the Warriors are gonna pull it out in Game Six. I mean, you mentioned it uh, before you got on the whole the Clay Thompson uh, stuff. Andrew Wiggins had 26, 13 rebounds and two assists. And, uh, you know, I just remember him in his Minnesota days. I remember his first year, he was really good, and he showed legit promise of being an NBA All-Star. And we all know it took him like eight years to finally achieve those those expectations and uh, realities uh, with Andrew Wiggins, though. But, I mean, he's been clutch when need be. Now, he still has his moments where he's not really consistent, not the best shooter, but he's really – gotten his act together defensively as well and you know he's obviously bought into the whole Warriors culture and Warriors identity where they play team unselfish oriented basketball and listen the Warriors 
I think what sets this team apart compared to the, the Kevin Durant ones and even the earlier ones, they're like set up in a way where like their big three guys, you know, Clay, Draymond, and Steph, they're kind of older now. So, you know, you've had guys like Jordan Poole and uh, Andrew Wiggins, like I just mentioned, and, you know, Jonathan Kuminga like, earlier on in the playoffs and towards the end of the regular season, like really step up and, you know, score, get you 25, 30 points. And Jordan Poole's kind of cooled off a bit as far as, like, his performance-wise. I don't really think ever since that Memphis series he hasn't played the best basketball, but we still know what he's capable of. And, like, we kind of – I think – you alluded to a little bit. Steph Curry didn't have his best game. He only had 16 points. So, but that's the thing, though. Like he had, he only had 16, and they were still able to win. And that's even with Boston shooting more free throws, having more rebounds, total rebounds as well. But I think that the big key here is Boston. They turned the ball over 18 times. The Warriors only turned the ball over six times. I think that's a huge, uh, huge, huge reason why the Warriors were able to win game five. In Boston, to me, like, they're just so sloppy sometimes. They were sloppy the whole game. They I mean, were sloppy the yeah, whole game. Yeah, like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like, like, specifically, even Marcus Smart, too, it's just, like, just careless with the basketball. And, you know, Jason Tatum, as great as he is as a player, I think, he's just been up and down in the series, and he has not been himself. Um, I don't know what's going on with him. Jalen Brown's been good for the most part. He wasn't good the last game. And, you know, Marcus Smart, we all we all know what he brings defensively. He's very good. You know, he just won the defensive player of the year this year. But offensively, he's hit or miss. And we know he, he really can't shoot, you know, consistently. So, you know, I look, Golden State beat them in assists and steals and turnovers, points in the paint as well. And they shot less free throws, and they still won by 10 points. Now, I will say the the three-point shooting by both teams wasn't very good. Boston shot 34%. Golden State only shot 23%, which is kind of surprising considering the arsenal they have on their roster. But Golden State shot a solid field goal percentage, 47. And, you know, like I said, Andrew Wiggins, 26-13. and He balled out. He was their best player in Game 5. And, you know, now we're on to Game 6 tomorrow, and I expect the Warriors to close this one out. I think they have Boston on the ropes. And um, I still think there's hope for Boston, but Jason Tatum's going to have to play like Jason Tatum, the one Jason Tatum we know. He's going to have to score 30 points on uh, solid shooting percentage numbers. Otherwise, if Boston continues to turn the ball over and play sloppy basketball, uh, this is this series is a wrap, honestly. And uh, you mentioned turnovers. The Warriors only turned the ball over seven times. And another thing too is, I mean, if you look at the free throw shooting, I mean, honestly, the Warriors, I mean, the Celtics, other than the first like one or two games, they have not shot the ball consistency consistently at all. And um, you saw it, like eleven of thirty-two from three-point shooting. Like obviously, the Warriors did even worse. But then they have, you know, all the turnovers. I mean, they turned the ball over 18 times, which is something you see in college when a team has a full press like West Virginia does. And But then also, like, 21 of 31 from the line, like a team shooting 67, 67.7% is not – is just that's just not acceptable. And, um, I mean, let's just say 
even if they go even if they go 27 of 31 or 26 of 31 i mean all of a sudden it's like a like a five or six five or six point game you know what i mean so like or even if you give them i'll just give them all 10 through there's there's a tie game right there i mean it's just it's just little things like that and uh that really hurt them was just not being consistent with the ball um another thing too is you know they got down big in the fourth quarter and um instead of I think they went down as much as 16 and uh instead of just keep doing that team basketball like they've been doing the whole entire second half and throughout the whole playoffs they really abandoned that and like everyone was trying to do hero ball and I mean you saw it against Miami as well and um I think if they could just go back to the roots there should be no reason they should lose game six but right now all the momentum's on the Warriors side and I mean Curry it's rare you're gonna see Curry have two games bad in a row I mean, Clay. I talked about Clay Thompson in the game six. It's not a myth. Um, and like, even like, let's just say Jordan pulls off. You know who's been great? Gary Payton the third. I mean, he had 15 points yesterday. Scrappy player, not scared to get in people's faces. He's a guy you want on your team in the playoffs. And like, he takes role player to the next level. Like, he's had a he's had a phenomenal finals. I mean, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, had a really solid game last night. Just. I just love the way he plays, and um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think the Warriors have a chance to close it out uh, in Game 6, and I'm not just saying that because that's what I predicted, but, you know. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man, and if they close it out, I think there's no question and no doubts in at least people with brains, uh, minds, that Steph Curry should be MVP this year, Finals MVP. So, you know, outside of the last game, I think Steph Curry's, you know, he's been awesome. He's averaging like 35 points a game, you know, with the exception of yesterday's performance, which, you know, wasn't his best effort. But, I mean, he should have won it in 2015, too. I mean, Andre Iguodala, <laughs> you know, I respect Iguodala. He'll probably make the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure about a first ballot, but I think he'll make it. But, you know, LeBron still had, like, his number. Like, we need to stop, like, with the notion that he shut down LeBron and, you know, he shut Cleveland didn't have Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. That's why they lost the series. I think if those two guys are playing, the Cavs probably beat the Warriors. So Curry was sold in that finals. I mean, I know people like to say he's not clutch. He still averaged like twenty six points a game. That's what I'm saying. Like, like he still he's, was. Oh, he's not clutch, and you know, having a bad series doesn't automatically make you unclutch. Like think of all the other times that Steph Curry bailed out the Warriors, whether it was a playoffs or regular season. So. This whole notion that athletes aren't clutch just because, you know, they don't fit your criteria, whoever you may be, as to what defines a clutch player, whether they make the, the buzzer-beating shot or make their free throws, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's just ridiculous. And um, Steph Curry is a clutch player. And, you know, as far as, like, all-time greats, I've seen this debate around, like, all these talk shows on ESPN and, like, whatever you name it. And it's like, oh, well, Steph Curry, a top 10 player, like, if they win this series, and is he top 12, top 15? Like, we, like, have these debates, like, ad nauseum, dude. I'm just so, like, sick of it. I kind of talked about it in last week's episode as well. But it's just, you know, I just want to appreciate, like, what he's doing right now. He's still playing very well. He's, like, 34 years old. 34 years old. I think his game will age gracefully because he – Primarily relies on a shooting touch, and you know, as long as you keep keep that intact, you'll be all right. Uh, soon, uh, once you get older, excuse me. So, that being said, like just for, forget about top ten. He's already an all time great, regardless where he ranks. That that's personal opinion, but he's gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's the greatest shooter of all time. 
all-time leader in three-pointers made, and he's going to be the, go down as the greatest warrior of all time too. So just like I just feel like we need to like to sit back and just like enjoy like what he's doing because there's going to come that day where he's going to retire and like you know. So. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't say it better, and it just um, we talked about it, you know, last podcast too. It's just like no one appreciates the game as much, and it's just like senseless arguments. I mean, there's there's just no reason to have heated debates about it. Like I could sit here and say, oh, you know, Demar Derozan was you know the MVP of the first half of the season, and then someone will come at me. Like I, that's why I don't even go on social media and debate people because like it doesn't matter what you say. Like you're not gonna get, you're not gonna change someone's mind over it. Um, I I know there's some people like me. Like if you actually have a legit discussion about it, then yeah, I'm I'm willing to adjust to it. But it just um, yeah, it, there's not as much openness, and I think, it, like people benefit from media outlets benefit from putting these co- like opinions out there because they realize hey, people are gonna comment about it. So I mean hey. Helps them out, but we're we're a sports podcast, so we actually appreciate sports and not want to see people fight and comment about sports and uh, ends up getting personal, too. So, yeah. I don't want to spend forever on this, but I do want to say one more thing about that. Like, we live in a time now where athletes get criticized more than ever. Like, when you think about it, like, when Michael Jordan played or when any, like, prominent athlete well-known played, like, before, let's say, 2010 – uh criticism was regulated to like newspapers and like guys that would come to the clubhouse or, or locker room would, would interview you like you would have you would have those confrontations like whatever they may be whether it was like Barry Bonds or Deion Sanders whatever Bobby Nia too Bobby, yeah Bobby <laughs> that one was good. I mean like outside of guys like Bill Russell and Jackie Robinson like maybe they got criticism from like the fans you know for obvious reasons like racism that kind of stuff athletes like now like with social media and like people Journalists, or if you want to even call them that, sports journalists, you know, have check marks. Even though they have like eight hundred followers on Twitter, they still have check marks. They're able to have an opinion, express that opinion, and like convey it in a way that makes it almost comes across as fact rather than like just opinion. And you know, if enough people like latch onto that opinion, then that's like the the running gag or. Or talking points that everyone uses, like like LeBron, like you see with Skip Bayless. Like I respect Skip Bayless for his his grind. Like obviously he isn't a scrub. Like he obviously works hard to get where he's at now. But like when you hear like his rhetoric as re- relates to LeBron, it's just like oh he's not clutch or he can't shoot the ball or he's a terrible free throw shooter. Like like LeBron is like a career like 75% free throw shooter. Now, that's not the best, but it's not awful either. And I could pull you up a tape of countless times he's been clutch in the fourth quarter. Like that's it's really not even a debate. Like he's hit game winners, he's hit buzzer beaters. For gosh sakes, he's probably he probably made one of the greatest plays in, in NBA history with the block. So like this whole notion that people oh well he's not he's not better than Jordan or he's he's not even top ten like it's just just stop like it's it's not even like like it's just so annoying like I I get so annoyed when people want to argue LeBron and MJ all day like I I personally I don't care like I I appreciate both players like they're they're both equally all time greats and like I just trying to argue first of all they don't even play the same position like that that's so you're comparing them isn't even even like the best. Uh, route to go like I don't know um, 
You make a valid point. You know, though. like they, yeah. they they both impacted the game. They both impacted their teams. Like they they were they're both like. If you want to argue Jordan's the greatest fun, if you want to argue LeBron's the greatest fun, like I don't care. Like both players have the compelling argument. Like LeBron's gonna probably finish all, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history too. It's probably gonna be top five in assists, probably top five, re- top five or top ten in rebounds. So I mean, just I guess my whole rant is just just appreciate like these players. Quit trying to tear other players down from the '60s or try, trying to tear players down now about them being soft or not tough, and just stop. Like it's just. It's all silly. Yeah. And uh, no, you hit the nail on the head. Like, me and my brother just uh, had a, it wasn't an argument. It was like a debate. Like, it was just like friendly debate, but it was like, what if, what if LeBron played when Jordan played? Yeah. And like, but nothing got heated. No. And I was on the side of saying, hey, LeBron would still, you know, wreck some things if he played in the 80s and 90s because he's just that good. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm not even the biggest LeBron fan, but I can admit, hey, if you put him on the Cavs with Mark Price and Brad Doherty, like, <laughs> like that's that's a solid team. It like, is. that would have been, like, unheard of. Like, Larry Nance, too. Oh, that team would have been so good in the 90s because, I mean, super teams weren't really a thing in the 90s. So, I mean, that would really shock people whenever they played them. But, uh, anyways, uh, just saying one more thing. It just, um, yeah, these athletes are... They're no different than any of us. Like, they all have the same problems. They all have the same relationship problems with other people. They all have uh, mental health problems as well. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these players still go to church, all have the same, like, beliefs as, like, other other people. And, like, no matter what religion it is, I mean, for me, I'm a Christian. So, like, if I talk to an athlete that's a Christian, like, hey, like, we're one in the same. Like, you're just really good at sports. You know what I mean? So, it's like these people are, like... Normal people at the end of the day, and um, yeah, especially with me with my internship right now, just talking to athletes and stuff. I mean, there's there's no difference between like it's still another person there, and uh, people forget that. But anyways, yeah, just food for thought. I mean, I think that's a little good segment to have on this podcast because at the end of the day, like they're no different. They're no different other than the fact that I mean they're different talent wise because. I wish I could play at the level that they are, but I can't. I mean, I, I've seen a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. I played uh, high school ball with somebody who plays for LSU right now and got in the box, and I actually made contact, which is nice, but, like, dang, like, I don't want to see that every single time. Like, I admire, like, I'm, that's why I love the MLB so much. It's like, I would bat, like, I, I mean, like, it would just, it would just not be good because, like, not, you can't even see it. And that's why I just admire baseball so much. But that was just a little high school story for you. But that's when I peaked. But anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, to keep going, speaking of baseball, I definitely want to start. So now that the ballots are open, you want to discuss our um, our teams, like yeah, I mean, our like who we voted for? Yeah, you can go first. If you well, want. I mean, we're thinking of like voting every week leading up to it. And then like for sure, just let like people know, like if anything changed, um, for some reason, they don't start with like catcher first, which is weird yeah, because they they're the first base. They start off at first base, so I'm just letting you know that like, yes, I disagree with it. It should go catcher, first base, uh, second base, third base, shortstop because that's two, three, four, and five. But I mean, I guess honestly, if you would see some of the stats some of these catchers have, Ooh, boy. I could definitely. I would if. If I were to click on and see catchers immediately, I'd probably exit right off. But anyways, um, sorry, catchers. 
Um, anyways, I do want to start to get into it. Uh, you want to discuss first base first? Do you want to go American League first? Yeah, we can do American. So, like, right off the bat, oh, let me get this right. Let me fix it. So, right off the bat, though, like, I see a couple players that kind of pop off the uh, list. Ty France from the Mariners, you know, he's batting 319, 10 dingers, 41 RBIs, almost 900 OPS. And then I think the other, like, legit first baseman option is probably Vlad Guerrero Jr. Of course. Um, he's not having this the, the, as great as a year this year as he did last year, but, I mean, still, he has 15 homers, 37 RBIs, batting 260. OPS is solid. Maybe, maybe Nathaniel Lowe. Uh, I don't think he'll he'll make it. Um, Jared Walsh as well is having a pretty decent year. And Isn't he Rizzo? I mean, his average he's is batting down. Batting two twenty one. That's the thing. You yeah. can't. I'm not voting you for two twenty. G Man Choi is batting two eighty three. So, also, Jose Abreu starting to heat up as well. So, you know, if he, if he starts it's playing, a pretty well, good poll. Right. He might, Ryan Mountcastle. Like he I'll might take get Mount some votes Castle too. But day. I'm gonna vote Ty France. Yeah. I, I think three nineteen. Uh, he's clearly had a better year than Vlad so far, and I, and I think you know, I think Vlad's gonna get the, the nod because he's more popular than Ty France. But I would vote Ty France based off his performance, not so much his popularity. But I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna vote Ty France. And uh, I, yeah, I just want to mention one thing: out of AL first baseman, uh, you know, Arias now makes the cut, but originally he didn't have enough at bats. But Ty France would have led an average. RBIs and OPS, but as of now, yeah, he he leads in RBIs and o- OPS over Vlad Guerrero, I mean Ryan Mountcastle, I mean Anthony Rizzo, I mean like ty- to to put up these numbers like even more than Jose Abreu, like to put up these numbers in a pool like this, that's that's insane and unheard of. So, but now I do want to go to first base for the NL. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. It's Paul Goldschmidt for me, 349, 16 homers, 56 RBIs, and a 1.073 OPS. Yeah, I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt too, but I will say um, Pete Alonso is having a very good year, batting 289 with 18 homers, 59 RBIs. Josh Bell actually is batting 294. OPS is kind of low, though, but he does have seven homers and 38 RBIs. I think he does deserve We'll get those homers up too. Hopefully he does. Josh Bell, he is a good power hitter, but he's had a good year, bounce-back year for Washington as well. Um, C.J. Crone, I don't think he'll make it as a starter. He might get in as, as a reserve, but he's batting 289, has 14 homers and 43 RBIs. Freddie Freeman, though, the average is good, but the, the numbers are kind of underwhelming for his uh, standards. Only five homers, 34 RBIs. Reese Hoskins is kind of heated up as well, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It has to be Paul Goldschmidt. It's kind of obvious, honestly. Yeah. It, stats. That's the thing with Freeman, too. Like, he's having a good year, but for his stature. Like, I mean, Freeman only has five home runs. And yeah. We, we all know Freddie Freeman's capable of hitting 30 home runs. So. And I do I do want to give some respect on to Pete Alonso's no, name. Pete Alonso, like, He's yeah. still killing no, it. He's still, 929 OPS. No, like, he's still going to make the all-star team if he keeps it up. Like, there's no, there's no doubt about it. He's, so. like, a close second, but just Paul Gold. I mean, like, 349. Like, that's... He's M- I think he's probably the MVP right now. Ah, uh, yeah, side. I would I would argue, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I now we're on to AL, and I was Second so close. I was yeah. so close to taking Andres Jimenez. I mean, three hundred two with seven homers, but then I, I don't know, like Jose Altuve. I think Altuve is just like eight sixty seven OPS. He has twelve home runs, two seventy four, and the team's in first. Like without him. He's been so instrumental to that team, so I just I had to go with Altuve. Yeah, I had Josh Harrison. 
<laughs> Come on. <laughs> all right, all right, for real. Though. Okay. Um, I, I like Josh Harrison, but I, I love you know. Josh Harrison. Well, anyway, uh, no. So I actually picked Altuve too, but I will say I'm gonna give respect to Santiago Espinal as well. He's batting 294. You know, five homers, 31 RBIs, 800 OPS. It's pretty solid. And like you said, Andres Jimenez. He's had a pretty solid year. I think he has a case as well. 302, seven homers, 31 RBIs, 853 OPS. But I'm gonna stick with what I know. Uh, Jose Altuve is more of a proven commodity, and I think he'll get only get better as the season goes on. So I'm, I'm going to go with Altuve. I was going to say, if you you just go right into the analysis. Okay, okay, yeah, sorry yeah. about that. We'll, we, we'll, we can cut that. Yeah, yeah, cut that out, definitely. Okay. Yeah, so moving on to the NL, it's kind of more interesting because there's, there's really not a standout player for second base. I mean, you are you know you have Ozzy Albies. He's probably the most uh, well-known second baseman. In, in this uh this pool, um, other than him though, I mean Jeff McNeil, he's had a pretty solid year as well. He's batting three twenty one. Uh, outside of that, those two though, you have Michael Chavis as well. I know Michael Chavis. You know, what are you what are you talking about, bro? Yeah, but Michael Chavis is batting two sixty nine. He has six homers, twenty two RBIs, OPS is seven fifty two. It's it's okay, but I think I'm gonna go with Jazz Chisholm. Uh, his OPS, he has the best OPS of all the second basemen in the National League as well, 836. His average could probably be higher. I'd like it to be higher, but he's batting 246. He has 13 homers, 41 RBIs. And I'm going to vote him also because he's been in the news a lot, and I think he's his name's becoming uh, well-known across Major League Baseball. So I'm going to go with Jazz. Yeah, um, I, I too would go with Jazz, but... Michael Chavis, uh, just because he played for the Pirates too. Hey, if you go I mean, dude, like I don't. I mean, he Chisholm's been so. I think if they play Chavis more, which for some reason they don't, but I mean Chisholm's the true second baseman. They the Pirates don't really use him at second base. At that's time, what I'm saying. So. He's usually at first base, Chavis. So I don't. Yeah, I don't, I'm the. But like, yeah. I mean Gene Segura too. I he started off so hot and he's been so. So instrumental for the uh, for the Phillies getting back into the playoff picture, but yeah, uh, that's all I got for second base. Though I, I'd probably go with Jazz Chisholm overall, but I'm not gonna lie, I did turn in a ballot with Michael Chavis on it, no, so I'm just gonna be care. honest. That's <laughs> but I do uh, want to talk about third base in the um, in the AL, and for me, I picked Jose Ramirez. So I I did have a tough choice to make because you have Devers batting 332. 15 homers, 38 RBIs, 978 OPS. But then you look at Jose Ramirez, who has a over one OPS, and he leads league in RBIs even ahead of Aaron Judge by over 10. He has 62 RBIs, 16 homers, and is batting 296. And then you also got to mention, too, that Cleveland is now a half game out of the wild card, two and a half out of their division, and they've lo- they've won seven of the last ten on a three game win streak. Uh, and Jose Ramirez is the reason for this, so I'm going Jose Ramirez there. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with Jose Ramirez as well. I mean, really, the only, the only competition for him is Rafael Devers, and I think I think this is the year people are finally gonna respect Jose Ramirez as like a legit star in baseball. It's been long overdue. He's been good for the past six or seven years now. So I'm glad people are finally going to give him his due. Listen, Rafael Devers is still going to make it. If he's if he's batting 330 or anything close to it by July, he's definitely going to make the All-Star team. So I'm not too concerned with him. So I'm going to vote Jose, Jose Ramirez. As far as the National League goes, though, um, I'm going to go with – oh, crap, something happened on my computer. 
But it doesn't matter. So I was gonna go with Manny Machado regardless. Um Norman Arenado has somewhat of a case. I would even argue Austin Riley as well for the Braves. He has sixteen home runs. But when I look at this third base uh, list for the National League, I mean, to me, maybe Brandon Jury as well. He might have a case. But to me, you know, Manny Machado, over 900 OPS, batting 315. To me, he's a no-brainer for third base. And I also think, like, too, with Manny Machado, other than Paul Goldschmidt, uh, he's hands down top three, top four MVP voting for that National League side. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Machado for me as well, and I think a lot of these picks are going to be the same because there's, uh, there's some players that are just clear-cut, you know what I mean? And, yeah, um, sure. But, yeah, uh, Machado for me, uh, I've really been impressed with Brandon Drury kind of having a career resurgence. Yeah, he's been good too. Yeah, so um, I remember he went to the Yankees, didn't do so hot. I mean, he came up with the diamond. He first started with the Diamondbacks, didn't do too hot with New York. Um, you know, he's on the Reds now. I mean, he played for the Blue Jays a little bit. Um, he was, so Vladimir Guerrero's, you know, first hit, he had that double. Brandon Drury, the same game, had the walk-off homer after that. So, uh, I think a lot of people might remember him for that. But, I mean, honestly, he's always been a solid little player. But, yeah, now for shortstops. So, it came down to, so for the AL, it came down to Tim Anderson and Xander Bogarts. And Xander's been just so consistent his whole career. But I ended up going with Tim Anderson just because, I mean, it's 356 with with an 896 OPS. Like, he's – and he's so flashy in the field too. He's just just a tough player not to like, and I just went Tim Anderson. So I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say this. Tim Anderson is probably my favorite player in all of baseball right now. I love Tim Anderson. I think – he is exactly what we need in this day of age when like baseball lacks so much excitement. He is like the exact opposite. Him and Jazz Chisholm, or they both. I love Jazz. Watching they both, Jazz, they both like personify what it means to be flashy. I, I love it. But with that being said, I don't. I haven't voted for him once, and here's why: he's missed the past couple of weeks. And while the average is like amazing, three fifty six for gosh sakes, he really hasn't played a lot. And you know, if he was playing, I'd vote him. But to me, I. I didn't consider him really because he's missed some time. I think he'll still make it probably though if, if he gets back soon enough. But I really didn't consider him. Nothing against him though, but I just I feel like he's missed too much time to be a starter in my opinion. But to me, I went I was down between Bo Bichette and uh, Xander Bogarts. I went with Bart Bogarts over Bichette because Bichette's average is kind of down, kind of low to two sixty five. Xander's batting almost three thirty with an OPS like north of 900 or pretty close to 900 i should say so yeah i'm gonna go with xander bogarts honestly I mean, it, it was tough i think yeah. um, if tim anderson's out of, i did i did take that in consideration uh-huh. but it's just the fact that he had five home runs by that time already too yeah. and it just um yeah but if he's if he still misses more games or, or, or you know like Obviously, I'm going to switch up in the next couple podcasts, but as of now, I'm just sticking with Anderson. That's fair. Yeah, I'm you make a p- good point, though. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Bogarts, though, but if, like I said, if Anderson can come back and play well, he, he definitely should get consideration. Yeah. But as far as the National sure. yeah, yeah, I agree. So as far as the National League goes, um, I actually was kind of, I think, two main guys stuck out to me. Uh, the first one is Trey Turner. And the second one's Dansby Swanson. Um, I also want to give respect to Tommy Edmond as well for the Cardinals. He's had a pretty solid year uh, overall. But to me, I voted uh, for Trey Turner the first 
couple times I've heard it. But Dansby Swanson has been hot. Uh, he has a his average is pretty much on par now with Trey Turner, two ninety one, two ninety seven, whatever. His OPS is also higher than Trey Turner's. And with that being said, I'm, I'm gonna go with Dansby Swanson this year. Yeah, so this is where we uh, d- defer once again, I guess you could say. Okay. I ended up going with um, Trey Turner, okay. and it's uh, Dandy- Dansby Swanson coming out of uh, Vanderbilt. I'm not going to lie, he's like one of my most hyped players. That- <clears throat> Excuse me, I had to clear my throat. But Dansby Swanson was like one of my favorite players coming out of college because I just remember seeing him at Vanderbilt. He was that flashy shortstop, yep. and... um. I think he's going to be an all-star regardless. I mean, especially if he keeps it up. But, I mean, Trey Turner, in a, in a lineup where Bellinger hasn't done as good, uh, Turner hasn't done as good, uh, Max Muncy hasn't done as well, he's really carried that, that Dodger infield. And, I mean, of course, Mookie Betts is doing well, too. But I just took that into consideration. And, uh, I mean, I, I sure, I'm sure you could say the same about Dansby Swanson as well. But, I mean, Trey Turner has, like, really helped this team stay in first, and um, that's just where I came with it, but it's as even as you're going to get. No, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at you. That's, that's like I said, Trey they Turner, for sure, yeah. they, have, they have, like, similar stats, so if, it's like a 50-50 to me, honestly, and if you go with either or, I, I, you can't be mad about that. So. Yeah, no, I was just, like, just saying my rationale yeah, behind yeah. it, you know? No, but, and like, yeah. yeah. But here comes, like, the interesting part of, I think, catcher. So there's really not one guy that's really having a great, having like a fantastic year offensively as catcher wise. So, I guess with that being said, we'll start in the American League. They uh, should just burn the bats, dude. Like and just like yeah, it's rough. It definitely or DH for the catchers too. Yeah, but as far as catchers go in the American League, as far as offensive offensive performances, there's really only two guys I'm even going to consider. Maybe three. No, just two. Uh, Jose Trevino, he's batting three hundred. And then Alejandro Kirk, he's batting three thirteen. Uh, to me, this is another one. Another it's, it's a flip of the coin. If you want to go Trevino, because he's been like a, came out of nowhere, he's been pretty good. Fair enough, but I'm gonna go with Alejandro Kirk right now because he's pretty much been the best offensive hitting catcher in the American League. OPS is over eight fifty, and um, you know Trevino. Like I said, if you pick him, I wouldn't be mad. But it, it's it's just such a very shallow pool of legit hitters right now it's just kind of tough so pick if you want to even go be uh analytics savvy and you want to pick the best defensive catcher uh you can do that as well but i i, I would there's have to only pick, two catchers you can really pick offensively yeah i would have to look up look at the advanced stats for that but i don't have one me so right now i'm just gonna stick with uh kirk yeah i'm gonna go with kirk too but i mean I, the case you can make for trevino is just when I mean, he had two walk-offs for the yankees and um just um, how he's taken over that role, because at the beginning of the season, it was Kyle Higashioka and Ben Wortfed were going to be their two catchers. And uh, he came out of nowhere, and they just kind of picked him up and said, hey, you know, you're on our team. Don't expect to get a lot of at-bats, and he's earned at-bats, and he's had two clutch hits this year, one against the Orioles, and then he had one last week. I forgot against which team. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Kirk just because, I mean, statistically he has the slight edge, but Jose Trevino has been, been clutch. Oh, and, for sure. And then for the uh, for the NL um, catcher as well, he, he's a cub for now. Uh, I, I will say this. Tyler Stevenson was an honorable mention, and Dalton Varsho is having a pretty solid year. But uh, I ended up going with Wilson Contreras. I mean, his OPS is uh, north of 900 
And uh, yeah, he's 949 OPS, 279 average, 12 homers. I mean, he's going to be one of the big pieces that's going to get moved at the deadline. So I went with Wilson Contreras. I did too. Um, I think he's uh, the clear cut best hitter as far as catcher goes in the NL. And I really don't think it's very close. Like you said, though, Tyler Stevenson does deserve some consideration. He might be the Reds' uh, all-star representative regardless because, you know, let's be honest, every team has to have a, at least one all-star. That's just how they do things. So, But, yeah, I'm going to go with Wilson Contreras as well. And now we can move to outfield. I guess we can start the American League. And I feel like we're going to be we're gonna be in agreement on at least two of the outfield picks in the AL. I'm just going to say right now, Aaron Judge and uh, Mike Trout. You know, Aaron Judge, he's pretty much played at an MVP level the entire year. I really don't need to say much about that pick. Mike Trout, if I can find him. So I can vote for him. Uh, yeah, almost 300 batting average, 16 homers, OPS is over 1,000. So I really no question marks there. Now here's where I struggled with the third outfielder. There's a lot of guys that are kind of make cases, like Taylor Ward for the Angels. I think he's a pretty solid case. But, you know, if I'm going to go by that logic with Tim Anderson, Taylor Ward's missed some time as well. So I might still vote for him, but I'm going to say right now, Giancarlo Stanton, too. I think he has a case. Uh, George Springer, as well. I think he has a legit case, too. And to me, that's pretty much it. Maybe if you want to go with Josh Naylor, as well. Or Adolis Garcia. Not, I mean, he's only 248, but you got Naylor, too, though. Naylor's been solid. That's what I just said, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go right now with uh, George Springer. That might not be a popular pick, but uh, he's been pretty good the entire year. If you want to go with Stanton. He's been clutch, too. I go with Stanton, but he's missed time too. Like that's just so I'd be contradicting myself if I didn't vote for Tim Anderson. But I'm I'm gonna go with Springer. I'm gonna go with Springer. Yeah, my, I, my thing with uh, I I'm going Taylor Ward. Okay. Uh, I'm just um, he's like uh, he's the furthest thing from like that t- uh, prototypical pick and like uh, I mean three twenty four with a one uh, like over one OPS. I just I think I still think he's played enough. Okay. Uh, just uh, the twenty six RBIs. Um, I think his timetable isn't too long for him to start like playing again. I think he's out currently, but uh, that's probably why the Angels have been terrible. But yeah, three twenty four, ten homers. I mean, he's my last pick for now. But I mean, if I mentioned Carlos Stanton, like if he keeps doing what he's doing, that's what like, I'm saying. I'm, I might switch that pick. In yeah, the but 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 for now, yeah. I'm going Taylor Ward, and then obviously Mike Trout has been Mike Trout. And uh, Aaron Judge is on pace to have, oh, like 66 home runs. Yeah. So, yeah, Aaron Judge for the <laughs> yeah, other one. I really don't think you have to ponder that <laughs> There's one. no, like, yeah. <laughs> Aaron Judge over everyone right now. Yeah, no, but moving to the National League, though. So, this might be controversial because I'm about to contradict myself. But I'm, I'm going to vote Ronald Acuna Jr. for one of the outfield spots. The outfield in the NL hasn't really been particularly great as far as, like, overall offensive performance. And to me, Acuna has been pretty solid since he's come back from his ACL injury. His OPS is exactly 900, which is like what you want in your star uh, star outfielder. And yeah, I'm gonna go with him. I know he hasn't played a lot of games, but if if I compare him to some of the other guys on here, I I really don't think it's much of a debate. My second pick is gonna be Mookie Betts. Uh, he's had a, a bit of a bounce back year. He's batting near 280. OPS is right a sliver under 900. You know, 17 homers. Love to see that. Uh, he looks like he's back to being, you know, Mookie Betts we all know and love. In my last pick, I think I'm going to go with uh, who's – now, I will say Starling Marte has a case too. He's had a pretty solid year. 
Uh, I think I'm going to go with Jock Peterson. Uh, he's batting almost 270. His OPS is almost 900, and he has 13 homers as well. And he's been pretty solid. He had that little hot stretch there with the Giants, but he still, you know, played well outside of that. So my outfielder is going to be Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and uh, Jock Peterson. That's what we are with. Mine's uh, mine's pretty close, and um, I honestly now I'm going to be contradicting what I did with Tim Anderson yep, earlier because yep. I didn't go with Acuna just because okay, of fair like because um okay so I did look. Brian Reynolds has worked his way up. Nah, don't do it. Uh, he's worked. I mean, if you look at the numbers, he's okay, worked his way up. He's only batting 251, though. I'm, hey, I didn't pick him, though. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, if you look at him and then you look at Charlie Blackman, they've both worked their way back up to at least being respectable. That, that is that is factual. And, uh, anyways, but I didn't go with either one. Um, yeah. Mickey Betts. Hands down, I think, is the best outfielder in this pool. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and then we also got, um,. We got who was my other pick? Jock Peterson. It just you lose Chris Bryant, and then you pick up Jock Peterson, who's just okay. having um, just having a really good season right now. And um, I mean they're in playoff contention again. And people thought like, oh wait, I mean, San Francisco like they had that big season last year. There's no way they're gonna duplicate it. Well, well yeah, there's no way they're gonna win over a hundred games again this year. But they're in play. I mean, they're in playoff contention once again, and Jock Peterson's been really, um, really a stronghold in that lineup. I mean, he's been like a powerhouse in that lineup that's just been able to drive in runs. And uh, I mean, he's been able to really hit home runs out of a not so hitter friendly park right now. So, yeah, he's my he's my other one. And then uh, this is where I went differently, and uh, I just thought of it as just just how good they're doing and how. Um, He's really helped them in the top of the lineup with Starling Marte. Um, obviously, I think this might change soon if Acuna. I mean, if Acuna keeps playing like he does, like there's no doubt. But Starling Marte, 282, seven homers, 34 RBIs, always helps um, on the base path. So yeah, I went, I went with Marte, but I mean, yeah, tough choice there because I'm not mad at it's that. Very op- it's very open there. It is. I think outside of Mookie Betts, I think. Anyone could honestly make it. Even I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as say as Brian Reynolds though. But I think Starling Marte. <laughs> uh, well, if, listen. If Brian Reynolds can like get his average like 20 points up in the next couple weeks or so, I, I might consider him as a starter. He's like no RBIs, all solo shots. Dude. Listen, if Brian Reynolds, this is why I'm so mad. If Brian Reynolds, let's say if he was batting 280, let's say he had like maybe three or four more home runs, he had like maybe 20 RBIs. I would vote him as a starter right now. I would literally, I would vote for him. I think he'd actually make it too to starter. But his average, like he's just had such an abysmal start. Like I can't vote for him, at least right now. There's yeah, always, that no, kind of, no, it, same you know, here. You same never here. know. Like you might get hot all of a sudden. You might, you might put himself in the race. But right now, I'm, I'm gonna go with Peterson and Betts for sure. I might vote Marte another time because he has been pretty good the, the entire year, and uh, he did play. He has played more games than Acuna as well. So, you know, that is fair. Marte's, in my opinion, been one of the more underrated players in the past decade or so. In, in all of baseball, he doesn't get the respect he deserves. I, I understand the whole PED thing with the one year. I get it. Totally should not have happened, but he's been clean ever since. And, uh, you know, clearly uh, whatever he used didn't uh, impact his uh, performance at all because he's still, he's still going pretty strong even into his mid-30s. So much respect to Stone Marte as well. But last but not least, we have the DH. And I think for the American League uh, – 
you have really two, I think, legit options. Maybe one, in my opinion, but if you want to, maybe three, actually. Uh, you have uh, Shohei Otani. Uh, he's batting 260. You know, we all know he, he pitches too, so, you know, there's that There's that added layer in uh, context as well. J.D. Martinez has an almost 1,000 OPS. He's batting 345. Uh, if you want to vote him, I wouldn't be mad either. And then, last but not least, Jordan Alvarez, who I think offensively has been probably the best well-rounded uh, DH in the AL. So I'm probably going to lean towards Jordan Alvarez. I think Shohei Otani is still going to make it too because, uh, you know, he's such a trendy pick nowadays. But I'm going to stick with Jordan Alvarez for the Astros. Yeah, I'm going Jordan as well. I mean, another solid season. He's been like uh, – so for, I, I almost feel bad because – Ever since the whole trash can thing, which he wasn't a part of because he wasn't there yet. No, yeah. I mean, they they haven't had as much coverage as they did before, just because of the their there's like almost like a rain cloud above that whole franchise. But they're proving they're proving that they don't need the trash cans. Like they're still oh they're still they're still a, a solid team, yeah. team. So like yeah, I mean there there's never talk about Alvarez, no. and uh, I think there should be. And yeah, I, no, he's he he's my clear cut pick. No, I mean, J, JD is yeah. great too. Yeah, three forty five for gosh sakes. But no, Jordan Alvarez to me doesn't get the respect I think across baseball. And then, like you said, the Astros made the World Series last year. So I mean, clearly they probably didn't have to use the whole trash can in one sense, which is kind of disappointing because that kind of, like you said, kind of puts a cloud over everything they've done the past five years or so. But you know, the Astros—they're still a good roster. You know, Jordan's having a great year as well. And, you know, you know, I, I have to tip my cap off to him. And then, last but not least, the DH and the NL. I think this is kind of cheating on the MLB's part. But, I mean, I, I have to go with Bryce Harper. Uh, I think he should be in the outfield, though, but that's my opinion. But, I mean, looking at the DHs in the NL, uh, they're not very, like, they're good, but they're not really – nothing. no one really pops off in the NL as far as DH goes. And, you know, when you have Bryce Harper – you already know he's gonna. He's Bryce Harper is one of the most popular players in all of baseball, and regardless of his performance, he usually always starts. So I, I don't see the that changing anytime soon. So I voted Bryce Harper for DH. Yeah, and uh, I went with Bryce Harper as well. But I mean, there is one player, William Contreras, two ninety two, nine home runs, seventeen RBIs, and he has over a one OPS. And I will say this: he is like, honestly, there's. 27 other players, 26 or 27 other players that has helped the Braves out a little bit more than him, and I mean the Pirates lineup. Oh. But I mean, but I, but I will say this: like William Contreras has been great for the Braves and has helped them get back into like the stretch of games. And I mean, obviously they swept the Pirates in four games, but I mean, yeah, they, he's he's helped a ton. And I went with Harper, but it would be cool to see two Contreras's be in the same lineup. Are they related to each other? I don't think they are. They're brothers. They are. Yeah. Dude, that's wild. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's. I'm, I'm, is I'm, he a ca- so he's a DH, right? The William Contreras. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. But he he plays catcher too. That's wild. Yeah. Bro. But that's... yeah, no. But uh, Bryce Harper, he's um, rounding out the thing. Yeah, they're both from um, they're both from Venezuela. Venezuela yeah, yeah. I, I, knew, so. I knew that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that he wears forty two, right? I, I think so. Uh, no, he wears. No, nah, I'm looking. Yeah, 24. 24. I'm but yeah, honest. no, but yeah, I remember seeing him last year and when he first came up with the Braves, and they were they were. I remember hearing that he was brothers, and I, I just yeah, that would be cool. I I honestly think they both have a chance to 
both be all stars though. So yeah, I think what's what's holding William Contreras back is two things. Uh, Bryce Harper is more popular and well known than William Contreras, and two, while his numbers are still very good, uh, Bryce Harper has 15 homers and almost 50 RBIs, and that to me, I think the average fan is going to look at that and say, "Well, Bryce Harper, no question." So I think that. If Bryce Harper was in the outfield, I think William Contreras would have a legit shot to be the starter. But I just think, you know, Bryce Harper, you know, it's just Bryce Harper. I mean, it's Bryce Harper. I mean, other than those two, though, there's nothing that stands out saying. here. Yeah. I mean, Nelson Cruz, but, I mean, the thing with Cruz, though, is, like, I'm so used to him hitting, like, 20 home runs by now. Yeah, he was only, like, five or six homers right now. He has seven right seven, now. Okay. 36 RBIs, but, yeah, I mean... He he is like, like he's old enough to be the president right now. So I mean, like, yeah, he's like in his forties now. I think he's. I want to say he's forty three, but I mean, Nelson Cruz. I mean, I can't believe he's still playing. And not only that, but like he's still productive too. I mean, when so, you think about it, he he didn't reach his like true prime as like a, like a, a good hitter until he's like thirty five years old. If you think about it, like his yeah, first he's still year, his best season with Minnesota, honestly. His first year, he really popped off as a player, like offensively, it was with Baltimore. I think it was twenty fourteen, like forty home runs. Yeah, it was the year they made the playoffs. That and year. Then, yeah, then you, like you said, you went to Seattle for a couple of years, and then you went to Minnesota, and he, like, he was like every year, like thirty five, forty home runs every year. So yeah, but, DH. you remember him and Cano popped oh, off in twenty sixteen. Both went off. Yeah. And now Robinson Cano is wearing a SpongeBob uniform in, uh, <laughs> in the minor league affiliate. Which I, I still like Robinson Cano. I do too. I, Honestly, he just like he's just at that point where it's just like he's he's thirty nine now. Dude, it, the Pirates signed him. He'd be like the one of their three best players already. I yeah. Honestly, I, all he needs to do is just stand up there and bat two hundred, and you're 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 right there. You know. Hey, honestly, I I, I what you said I I can't disagree with. So. Yeah, but uh, anyways, um, I think we're getting to a good point to start uh, wrapping up. I. I do want to say, like, a, a team that's on the run right now is the Guardians. And I, I know I mentioned it earlier, but, I mean, there's some there's some uh, good – it's starting to get real hot in the playoffs with just uh, – I mean, the Rangers just passed up the Angels, which is interesting. And, uh, yeah, there's just been a lot of interesting things about MLB. But I just did want to do a quick prediction uh, with the Avalanche and Lightning. Go for it. We haven't been doing as much hockey. I mean, the Penguins lost, so I'm still kind of salty about that. But, um, anyways – I'm just going to say Avs and Six. Both teams are great, but I think it's time for a new team to win. And I think the Avalanche, they're just so stacked. They're so stacked. I'm going Avalanche and Six. So I don't really follow hockey as much as you do, but I'm going to go with the Avalanche as well. Um, I think the Lightning, I think the fatigue will catch up to them. I mean, you know, think about it. They've made three straight Stanley Cup finals now, and – that in itself is impressive, but I think Colorado—they're younger. They have fresher legs, obviously, because they haven't been through the grinders much as Tampa has. And I'm, I'm with that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Colorado, probably in six or seven. I think Tampa Bay is gonna give them a, a legit fight because you know they've been there, done that. But Colorado—they've pretty much been the best team in the NHL the entire year, and I think you know they're gonna finish the job and be the, the Stanley Cup champions. So sorry about that. Yeah, you're good. Uh, yeah, but uh, anyways, 
you've heard another episode of the Rosetti and Stewart podcast. And if you're hearing my voice right now, we're really happy you stayed through the whole podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you guys can listen to us pretty much anywhere, but uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, those are the two in particular, really. We're, we're other places. I'm, I'm sure Justin will tell you all the places he put us at. But uh, thanks again for joining me, Wait, Justin. Can I say one more thing? Oh, of course. Go ahead. Uh, don't we're not stupid. We didn't we didn't forget about the pirates either. So like Bob Nutting and uh, Ben Charrington, like you think you guys are off the hook, bro. Like think again, bro. I'm just letting you know. Like where were yeah. we we didn't we didn't we didn't not watch the past two weeks and like not forget about that. So I'm just where, letting, where, yeah, we didn't you forget know. about the pirates. You know how we talk about the pirates. We're not done with them. Oh no. Right? Oh we're far from Here's finished. the thing. Here's the thing. If if they get swept again, if they if the Giants sweep them in four games, okay? If they sweep them in four games, we're gonna have a two-hour special. Oh no, we definitely we will on the just the Pittsburgh Pirates. Shoot, dude, we still gotta figure out that uh the whole draft thing. Well, we'll we're we'll have that to you guys. Yeah, because yeah. it's actually gonna be very easy to make. Honestly, we could probably spend three to four hours just talking about Pete players <laughs> that the Pirates passed up on. Oh, <laughs> All right, yeah, but well, we we can end the show there though. I don't want I don't want like go way overboard about that but i'm just letting you know the future what's uh no we could talk about it a little bit yeah let's just let's just say um i'll just get my food for thought real quick um actually are they worth it right now i, I just really i feel bad it. for the players i do too because like the players i mean i actually don't think like they're mlb players still but it I, just they i think they care about winning obviously it, it but the organization doesn't in the box score, yeah but you know it's just Ownership, front office. That that's where it's you just have to question like I, I just don't think they're trying to win this year. And like it's it's not like we expected them to win this year. But look, there's been games they've they've left on the table they should have won. Like that that's mm-hmm. probably the most frustrating thing. Even just the other night they were up five nothing, lose seven five. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like you just... know, in Shelton, like Derek Shelton, man, like I I'm not one of those guys that are like, Oh, fire this guy and fire this guy, but he's really making me look foolish. I'm just gonna put that out there. I I, I think they're not gonna fire him because that's not, they don't do that. They don't fire guys even though they should be fired. And um, all I gotta say about that is like Clinton Hurdle, I miss you, buddy. Come back. I miss you too, but <laughs> Clinton, I'm ha- I'm sure you're having a great retirement. Oh, I bet he and, is. And um, I saw at the end of 2019 that it just um you were at the end of oh, uh, I mean, your listen. managerial career, and I agreed with uh, the whole. You know, hey, let, let Clint go. Just let him retire because, like, you've done it. You've made it to the World Series before. You brought this t- the, this fran- this franchise. This, if you even want to call it that, as of right now, you brought uh, this triple A team. You, you, three straight. You took a triple A team for the past twenty years, and you took them into the playoffs three straight seasons. And I mean, you had a respectable two thousand eighteen season too. And even the first half of 2019 was respectable. It was. And then uh, you got what was it? They went four and 22 in like July or something. Yeah, they did. It was something tanked. crazy like that. But hey, I mean, we miss you, Clint Hurdle. We wish you we could have you back. Um, I'm sure Derek Shelton's a good guy to meet in person, but I'm sure he is too. It's just um, it's one of those things where it's like I just don't get it. I I don't get some of the lineup things. I don't get why don't they they don't start like using people in AAA. You guys are gonna lose anyway. Just ca- just call it Mason Martin. I mean, I'm sure Andy Rodriguez is not ready yet. He's only 21. I, I See what he can do though. I mean, I'm sure he could bat over 109. 
that's just a it's the worst catching core of I mean we we've seen bad catchers around the league right now but the catching core right now you're carrying three triple A catchers and it just <laughs> listen I I don't know how plausible this is by I honestly think they should trade back for Jacob Stallings if that's even possible yeah I, do. It, like, I mean at first it was like oh, okay you know you get Roberto Perez and then you got you get Thompson too which has actually been pretty solid so I mean yeah it looks fine at first and then Roberto Perez is out for the year. And uh, I think Stallings is better anyway, but, like, you ended up getting a pitcher out of it, too. But that now now looking at it, it's just like, dang. Like, I know Stallings isn't having the greatest year with the bat, but, like, he's so good defensively. And he at least can drive in some runs every once in a while. But, yeah, yeah that's just, eh, it's getting swept by the Cardinals. Like, I've seen it so many times. Paul Goldschmidt's the new Albert Pujols for them, I guess. When they play the Pirates, I mean, if you want to say anything about that, you can. All I'm going to say is he's batting 567 this year against the Pirates. and His OPS is almost 2,000, so that's all I'm going to say about Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, we, we said goodbye already, and uh, this time it's a goodbye. And uh, Goodbye. And we're not raising the Jolly Roger, but I am raising the microphone as we speak just because – the pirates don't raise the Jolly Roger. They sink the Jolly Roger. They sink it. And they uh, they make sure they pee on it as well and uh, do whatever they want to it. And uh, they make sure they rip it up and uh, maybe burn it. I mean, uh, the, the, the Jolly Roger. I mean, the Jolly Roger has been in the bottom of the Monongahela since 1992. So I mean, but uh, anyways, uh, that's all I got to say. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to leave on that note. Uh, talk to you guys next week, maybe. Audios.